In the long run, Bitcoin will have been a story about when a bunch of imperfect humans met a perfect machine and what happened, right? That's the story of Bitcoin. Hello there. How are you all doing? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I'm using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And before we get into today's interview, I do have a message from my show sponsors. From the people behind sportsbet.io, we have BitCasino. Established in 2013, BitCasino was the first licensed Bitcoin casino and is trusted by tens of thousands of players worldwide. Not only do they have cutting-edge security, but fast withdrawals and VIP experiences and that money can't buy. BitCasino has 2,800 games and tournaments to compete against each other and 24-7 live chat support. To find out more about BitCasino, the first Bitcoin casino to win an EGR award, head over to bitcasino.io, which is B-I-T-C-A-S-I-N-O dot I-O, and please gamble responsibly. Next up, it is BlockFi. Now, BlockFi bridges the world of traditional finance and Bitcoin, empowering you for the future financial world. And for people in the US who own or are interested in owning Bitcoin or stacking more sats, the BlockFi Rewards credit card provides you the easiest way to earn more Bitcoin. There are no fees to use the card, no annual fee and no foreign transaction fees. And you can earn 1.5% back in Bitcoin on all purchases forever. And you know what? You can also earn 2% back in Bitcoin on every dollar over $50,000 of annual spend. If you would like to stack stats with BlockFi, then please head over to BlockFi.com to find out more and read the terms and conditions, all available at BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. Next up, it is Casa. Whether you've just bought your first sats or you're a Bitcoin pro, you need to protect your investment. And the only person who should be in charge of your Bitcoin and financial freedom is you. And securing your Bitcoin doesn't have to be difficult because Casa makes it so easy for you. Getting started is super simple. You just download the app, create an account, and enjoy a 30-day free trial. And if you need some assistance, it's just a click or phone call away. Casa has the best in-class customer support and free online resources to support you. Take your financial freedom into your own hands by self-custodying your Bitcoin so it can never be frozen without your consent. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. You can find out more at keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Also, we have Ledger. And the world's most popular hardware wallet just got better. Ledger have recently announced the launch of the new Nano S Plus. With a larger screen, it makes it much easier to manage and verify your Bitcoin transactions. And the Nano S Plus maintains the same high level of security as all other Ledger products. Now, I have been a Ledger user since 2017, and I absolutely love the S Plus. Ledger is the smartest and easiest way for you to take control of your Bitcoin. Now, if you'd like to find out more or purchase a hardware wallet from Ledger, please head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. What up, man? Hello, welcome to What Bitcoin Did. Welcome. What's up, man? How's it okay. going? I'm good, man. How are you? Chilling. Good. It was good to see you last night. Good to see you last Thank night. you for dinner, by the way. You're very welcome. It was very good. It was a good meal. Yeah. Shame we didn't have Danny with us. Next time. Danny had FOMO. I know. I miss Danny. Danny's yeah. cool. Danny is cool. The viewers don't get to see Danny, but he's yeah. a cool guy. Very handsome, suave. There's a camera right there looking right at me. Sophisticated. He's, I guess they do get to see it. <laughs> he's, uh, he's getting popular now. He's getting his own fans. <laughs> do, you see, do you see the comment on YouTube? The other? No. He's, yeah, you did. I honestly didn't want to say. It was like, uh, I love it when Danny speaks. Uh, that was my mom. It's very, yeah, his voice is good. It's soothing. Yeah. You know? Who do you think sounds posh, Huddle? 
You for Thank sure, you. Danny. Absolutely. <clears throat> I I just think Peter sounds Cockney. He sounds like a like fucking Dick Van Dyke. And <laughs> I just think it's because you've got that Northern monkey voice. I think it's it's exotic. Every time I hear Peter speak, I just hear it like "Hello, Governor." Hello, Sunshine. <laughs> what you say? So we're going on, man. Are you good? What's up, man? Just chilling. What are we going to talk about? Um, you tell me. You're the you're the interviewer. You want me to do your job for you? Well, you're in recovery mode. I think you're more hungover than I am. I didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not hungover today. I didn't get to. I only had what, like four or five drinks. That's good. Yeah, yeah. It's no hangover. It's good, man. We will get one tonight, though. Okay. See you staying. Uh, maybe. Show me to phone your wife. Have a word. Say like you, you can try. Say yeah. this very important event has come up, and we need the Mister American. Holiday. We're going. I'm going to a honky tonk with some nice British gentlemen. Yes. Yeah. You're going to sing American Pie and shit like that. The original conception of this episode was we were going to talk about like being off Twitter and like the escape from the echo chamber and, yeah. and that kind of thing. And then you just got back on Twitter because you're addicted. Yeah. You know? I mean, you can't. Well, look. There's a couple of reasons. Firstly. Uh, <laughs> Uh, despite my dramatic claim I'm leaving Twitter, uh, you end up missing it. Oh, yeah, totally. You end up missing it, but also, actually, you end up missing the benefits from it because your account becomes stagnant. And so if your account becomes stagnant, that actually affects the popularity of the show. Um, but also, I just felt like the people of Earth need me. <laughs> and I have to uh, come, come and... Uh, <laughs> Come and bring. I, I, that's a basically that's a, a line I stole from. What's that film? Uh, Road Trip. Oh yeah. yeah Remember yeah. the bit the stone yeah, on the porch? Yeah. And he said, "I think the people of Earth need me." Uh, no, I just felt like um, a more moderate voice is sometimes required in the Bitcoin community, or a different voice, maybe a European voice or a British voice, <laughs> to uh, to challenge some of the other. So, so you're there to do echo chamber bursting. That's why you came back a, a little bit, and just you know, just. But it's come on, you must miss it. How are you doing? Well, yeah, I'm fucking addicted to it. It's like a real, it's a serious like addiction. Like yeah. who who would have thought that we'd all be addicted to these little computers that we like keep in our pockets? You know what I mean? And when you have like a lot of when you have a big account on Twitter and you have a lot of engagement followers and you know, people are adding you. Do you see what this guy said about you? Oh man, gloves are off, motherfucker. Like, you know, and I love conflict. That's like part of my personality. So like I, I just keep getting sucked in all the time. And so finally, I had to just be like, you know what? This is not productive. This is not a good use of my time. It, it seemed like to me, I was like stuck in the same um, argument with the same like five mentally ill people. Like, and it just never ended. It was like, it was. It was Dita Bob. Yeah. Well, you know, some, some people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dita Bob. He just argued with Dita Bob all day. Um, yeah. I, look, it is what it is. Um, I'm. I'm prefer, people think I want conflict. I actually prefer resolution. I prefer discussing things and trying to find resolution. And I definitely try and write better tweets and less dickish tweets, mm. but I just can't help myself sometimes. Well, people hate um, the enlightened centrist and no, nowhere more so than on Twitter because yeah. Twitter is both sides fighting it out. And if you come in and you're like, hey guys, there's like, some 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 good points over here, and there's some good points over here, and like there's a lot of nuance on these. These are complicated issues. Uh, that's never going to go over well, well on the internet. It, it, not in America. The rest of the world, we're okay with this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just in America. I think that uh, that wait but why guy put out this chart. Uh, you know the wait but Tim why guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a chart, and it shows over time like the overlap on issues. And now there's no overlap. Yeah. It's like you're one side or the other, and. What people also do, they try and put you in one side. Mm -hmm. 
So like if you are if you support Ukraine, oh okay, you're in that side. Yeah. And if you are anti-gun, you're in that side, or if you're pro-life, like they want to put you in a side, but it's like, hold on. Sometimes they don't all fit into a nice little box. Right, right. You know, like the Russia-Ukraine thing was interesting to me because uh it was just all propaganda on the pro-Russia side. And then it was just all propaganda on the pro-Ukrainian side. Yeah. And like looking at it, I couldn't figure out what was objectively real, like at all. So my solution to this was not to dig in further. My solution was just to be like, I don't know. I'm gonna live in Russia or Ukraine. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I mean, propaganda is just a tool. It's a that's just a weapon. Well, everything is propaganda, right? Like there's this idea of um, like current thingism, right? So like, oh, this is the, I support the current thing. You know what I mean? The current thing is vaccines, or it's lockdowns, or it's Russia, or it's Black Lives Matter, or it's trans rights, or it's whatever you know. And it's just you're being bombarded with it all the time. And I think a lot of Bitcoiners uh, who have more of like a disagreeable attribute to their personality um, take pride in basically being like anti-current thing. Yeah. But whether you're pro-current thing or you're anti-current thing, you are still controlled by the current thing. So like, mm, I think I'm nuanced about the current thing. You're nuanced about the current. I, just, thing. I like to think I am. <laughs> I am. Give, give me a topic and I'll give you my nuance. Um, abortion. Okay. Uh, you actually picked the one I'm less nuanced about. I've never really <laughs> publicly, I don't think I've ever publicly said what I think about this because I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't like abortion. I'm anti-abortion. Yeah. But I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Republican. So would you deny all abortions? I think that's where you have to get into the, the nuance. Right. I think I, you know, and there's like a scale, right? Like, uh, if the mother will die, if this baby continues to grow inside her, I think you have a very valid reason to discuss termination of that pregnancy. That one's pretty obvious. So that's an easy one. Yeah, and then if you, somebody wants to kill a, uh, you know, have an abortion. Sorry, I said kill, but like have an abortion at, you know, week sixteen. Are you okay with that? Uh, <laughs> I don't like it. Like just an elective abortion. Just I just don't like it. So uh, you're pretty pro-life. Like that's I what am, we would call I am you pro, in America. Yeah, I'm pretty pro-life, but like, but my, I'm a bit of a, a bit of a pussy on it that I don't like the idea of regulating it. But I I just don't like it. Uh, mm. My thoughts on it are I would I would rather effort went into helping people avoid that decision. Yeah. If you if you had to put me on one side, I'm pro-life. Okay, but but that it's one of those tricky ones because it's like once you say that, there's a whole bunch of people that like who just want to shout at you for it. And it's yeah. just like I'm sorry. It's just there's a there's a really good Louis C.K. sketch about it, where he basically says, like, oh, these uh, people campaigning out of outside of abortion clinics, now they're so uh, you know they're so often and they're so this and he's like, well, they think you're murdering babies, right? Of right. course they think that, and other people don't. I think it's it is probably the t the toughest of all of the subjects. Um, yeah, it's pretty tricky. Yeah. I mean, listen, I could give you a nuanced take on abortion too. Uh, I won't because I don't like care that deeply about that issue. But uh, the point is basically like, okay, listen, it's not black and white. It's not current thing or anti-current thing. Yeah. There's a gradient there. Yeah. And you're basically saying to me like, I fall usually in the middle of the gradient. I can see truth on both sides. Um, That's not exactly right. So as somebody who does this job, yeah. I tr I try my best to see both sides. But, but I don't always fall in the middle. I'm, you know, sometimes I'm, you know, I'm Russia, Ukraine. Maybe I'm very, let's say, okay, let's say then that you're, I can tell you've been in a courtroom like this motherfucker. Like, it's no, like, no, but like <laughs> Russia, Russia Ukraine. Like, I'm, I'm like a litigator. I have to like pull it out of you. Uh, Russia, Ukraine, I'm very much on the side of 
Russia has invaded a sovereign current country. Yeah, they're the yeah. aggressor. And you can pick up all this NATO. I don't care. They've yeah. invaded and they're, they're firing missiles at right. people and killing them. They're, you know, I'm very clear on that. Yeah. Uh, I'm very clear on I do not want uh, uh, guns in the UK like you have it here in the US. Like I could be very clear on some subjects, sure. but 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 that's my point. But I also try and I, I just want to understand both sides. So this is still not my my point. My point is basically this. It's like the thing and your thoughts surrounding the thing, no matter where you fall in the gradient, right? You are being controlled because you are thinking about the thing. That's the point. It's like, if I say to you, Peter, Rocky Road is a trash ice cream. It's the worst ice cream on earth. And then you say to me, well, yeah, but that's not true. I mean, I like pistachio and mint chocolate chip or whatever. Now you're thinking about ice cream. I own you. You're in my frame now. You know what I mean? Like that's like uh, the B.F. Skinner behavioralism thing. Like that's the soup that we're all swimming in at all points. It's like if you can control the thing's environment, you can control the thing. And they can't tell you how to think. Nobody can tell you how to think. But people can certainly tell you what to think about. Why have I spent so much of my life thinking about trans rights? I am not trans. I don't know anybody that's trans. I, I very rarely have ever met anybody that's trans. I don't care about trans issues, pro or con. I just don't care. It's not a part of my life. Why do I spend so much time thinking about it? Uh, sometimes maybe because you live in a democracy, and in a democracy, we we kind of figure this shit out as a collective. So that's the point: is because we live in a democracy, the powers that be have to keep control of the mob. Yeah, but and they they use the current thing to keep control of the mob. But but is it control? Have we just not always had these issues to be talked about? Certainly. Yeah. No, issues are real. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, what you focus on, like, basically becomes your reality, right? And so if they can get you to, you know, whoever, like some mystical day, but like, you know, there's like a whole system of selective pressures that like form to create, um, you know, the mainstream media apparatus, what Eric Weinstein calls the distributed idea suppression complex, um, you know, basically the Twitter algos, the Facebook algos, the Instagram algos, right? Like you're being manipulated at all points in time, Right. And like the only solution I found, like this is the escape from the echo chamber thing. The only solution I found is just to not be on any of those platforms, not inhale any media. I get all of my news word of mouth nowadays. Like I don't, I don't look at the news at all. Maybe I'll see some headlines and I'll be like, oh, I'm trying to push this shit or trying to push that shit. What the fuck do you do with your time? Just chill. I, I kick it. With, <laughs> I kick it with my kids. I hang out. Are you, you know, retired? Go to the gym. Yeah, I'm retired. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't have to stay up on things because, you know, I have I have uh, some some Bitcoin, you know what I mean? Like at least 6.15 Bitcoin and that allows me a nice comfortable <laughs> retirement. Did you show did you show him? No. The password well, for the Wi-Fi here has 615 in it. Well, because we're in Nashville, which is the whole area code is 615. Oh, is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're in you're in the 615. Right. See what I mean? Okay. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Do you know what an area code is? Well, yeah, we call it a postal code. Oh, okay, got it, yeah. yeah. No, it's not. that's a zip code. An area code is the phone number. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so that's the bit in the brackets. America is so large geographically that like we have to have all these no, we have those. different numbers. Yeah. And do you know what that's interesting? It's not that interesting. It's really boring. But where I live in Bedford mm-hmm. has the area code 01234. That's probably Bedford's greatest achievement. <laughs> it got the, He got the sequential numbers from zero to four. Everyone else gets random shit. Milton Keynes, I think, says 01908. We got 01234. Yeah. Bedford's greatest achievement. That's, that's one of those anecdotes that like uh, the person tells it to you and you go, oh, yeah, just to be nice. But in your head, you're thinking, what the fuck? Who fucking cares? Well, there's more to this. Because <laughs> yeah. they didn't used to have the one. Do you remember that? 
No. Nope. So it used to be, it actually used to be 0234. And when they announced they were adding the one, everyone in Bedford got excited because they filled the gap. <laughs> so we, we went from 0234, which is kind of like that, yeah. to 01234. There's probably a, a show title in that. I think you're pushing it. <laughs> very, very interesting. This is very All right, well, let's titillating look. stuff. Um, I have to keep updated on the, up to date on these things because I have to talk about these things. Yeah, I have to talk about sometimes the latest thing or relevant thing or you know. Of course, yeah, that's your job. You're you know part of the the media apparatus. You know what I mean. Part of the you're, you're, you're one of the they thems. They they come to you with a briefcase full of money and they tell you what your narrative is, right? No, I, I'm just, I'm just fucking. I go. I go with exactly uh, <laughs> exactly what I want to talk about. Like, okay, I've got some things I want to talk to you about. Yeah, hit me. I put a couple of threads out on Twitter recently. Um, mm-hmm. One this week uh, with regards to digital dollars. Yeah. So, as a Bitcoin, a lot of Bitcoin, CBDCs or stable coins. Stable coins. Stable coins. Not the algos, uh, but whatever. Forget about them. A lot of people uh, who are Bitcoiners rightly don't like shit coins. Yeah, of course. Some people are like, I don't care. Because anyone can create money as long as you you have a free choice to use it. But whatever, they can be critical mm-hmm. of shitcoins. But we have got to this place whereby there is a real need for digital dollars in the world. Things like Tether have become very important to people in Argentina, <clears throat> Venezuela, Turkey, whatever. Yeah. They At the moment, they perform best on uh, some of these shitcoin platforms. H- how do we square that circle as pro-freedom, pro-human uh, people who want the best, for, you know, we want people in uh, dire economic situations to have the best access to money as possible, knowing full well that Bitcoin is not the right tool day-to-day for some people just because of the volatility. So there is, an, there is an actual reason to be pro-stable coins. So how do we square that circle with these platforms? Because it's been challenging me. And I've seen mm. some people go back and go, no, they're, they're shitcoins, forget them. You're promoting shitcoins. And I'm like, mm, I guess I am. But at the same time, it's only because I spoke to Gladstein. He's like, no, these digital dollars are super important in these jurisdictions. Yeah, yeah, like in the how, third world, the yeah. developing world. How do we square that circle? Uh, so for me, it's like, I just don't care about stable coins. You know what I mean? I never have. You can't invest in stable coins, right? Like, um, I mean, you I, can. If you, if you own a shit currency, like, I don't know. Like the Argentinian peso, you can invest in stable sure, coins. You can store value in, yeah. in stable coins. Stable coins are number go down coins by default because they're trying to keep stable value with the US dollar, which is inflating away purchasing power. So yeah. they're not actually stable. They're number go down, right? Well, the, the, the number go down, uh, depending on where you are, uh, on a long term basis, always against Bitcoin. Yeah. But, but it on might a short term basis. It might be better than your local currency. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Or, and yeah, it might be better than your local currency. It might also be better than Bitcoin in certain timeframes of bear markets. I also just think, I don't know why there's so much talk about stable coins to me because they just seem like a, a temporary stopgap measure in between here and a digital, fully digital dollar, like a CBDC. And so, you know, it's like basically. The algorithmic ones don't work, will never work, yeah. are stupid, are pointless. We obviously saw the the Luna collapse. And I mean, that was, I don't know why people were taken uh, by surprise because of it. I kept hearing this thing about like, it was a top 10 cryptocurrency. It was a blue chip cryptocurrency. First of all, there's no such thing as a blue chip <laughs> cryptocurrency. Like these don't um, have returns. I mean, like Terra Luna had a 20% return. And, you know, you have to realize that like rats die in the trap because they don't understand why the cheese is free. And you just became the fucking rat because you didn't understand why the cheese was free. You know what I mean? Yep. And so it's like that that concept is an outright scam. And I think anybody peddling those is a 
they're either a moron or they're a liar. Uh, and in either case, it's not great. And then you have like the fully regulated, like, you know, whatever the Jeremy Allaire's of the world are doing. And I think, you know, there's some interesting stuff there, but they basically just are like big fintechs to me. And I just don't care about it. I think if people in the third world, the developing world want to like use stable coins uh, because it makes sense for them. Absolutely. Like I, you know, who am I to tell them these people who are living on three to $5 a day, like who am I to tell them what to do with their, their wealth? I'm nobody to tell them what to do with that. Right. So it's like, um, I, it'd be nice if some of this was attached to Bitcoin, I suppose. But then again, it's like, you don't really need it to be, I don't know. The whole phenomenon is kind of, uh, pointless in my opinion. But then again, I'm not in the developed world. So, well, when it's a CBDC, we don't know what controls will exist over who can access it, where they can access it. Mm-hmm. I think you get a little bit more freedom with Tether on Tron than you might get from a you know, Fed issued CBDC. You might say, "Well, you know what? We're not going to let those people in Egypt use it." Yeah. Well, ultimately, the the you know the the U.S. government is not going to allow um, people to algorithmically or, you know, whatever, back to the dollar without, you know, pretty hefty regulations. And so they're going to bring the entire stablecoin industry to heel and it'll be ultra-regulated, et cetera, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, you just don't give a shit about that then. <laughs> what, no, I mean, I, what do you, why do you care about it? Uh, because I make a show and I'm trying to understand the space. I'm trying to understand how people use currency in different locations. You know, yeah. I'm not making a show for people in America to buy Bitcoin and you know, hodl for four years and buy a car, making it for anyone, anywhere who can benefit from it. But in doing that, you have to understand the money. And then mm. when you understand the money, you understand the tools that people use. Yeah. One of the tools is these digital dollars. And I have seen some criticism of it. It's like, no, we should just be promoting Bitcoin to these people. And it's just like, well, hold on a second. This person might like live on $20 a week. right? And their cost of living is more than that. They have no ability to save. They certainly don't want to put in something that might crash in a couple of days by 20%, which can happen, we know. So I think it's I think it's given sometimes bad advice. I think it's a world of basically for most people, there is a world of Bitcoin and dollars, which is good advice, and we should pair them together and tell mm-hmm. people what, you know, give advice on what should be used for what. And we have to be empathetic to their local challenges, geographic, economic challenges. And it's not everyone should just buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin isn't going to solve short-term issues. I think Bitcoin at a nation level can solve long-term macro issues. Yeah. Okay. But it doesn't solve short-term micro issues for the individual if the timing is wrong. And I think there's mm. there's certainly risk to that. And I think that needs wrapping into the education. Yeah, well, certainly the, there's been you know, Bitcoin has a long evolutionary arc and it's going through this sort of order of operations where it's store value first, medium exchange, then eventually widespread unit of account. And that's like a 50-year process, right? So like in the interim, we're doing basically every bad idea um, at full tilt. And by when I say we, I mean a bunch of people with loose morals are doing it, you know, like the Doquans of the world. So like, I don't know, if you're going to like go out there and like, you know, say, yes, everybody should be using stable coins, right? Like, a lot of people looked at the Terra Luna thing and they were like, this is a top 10, you know, stable yeah. coin, whatever. And how can I lose? And they're giving me a great return and people don't understand. They, you know what I mean? And so it's like, you've now given, okay. I've not told anyone by I don't Terra think, Luna. I, no, no, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying you have, but like I'm saying like, if that is the, if that is the case, then 
what happens when they get fully rug pulled? There's so much trust involved in a stable coin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's no trust. Like the idea that we are, it's so archaic that we're like trusting humans to like set the monetary policy of anything. We have a programmatic monetary policy now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's like, I feel like we have the fucking internal combustion engine and I'm watching people try and pull cars with horses still. And, and they think it's a great idea. They think they've made an innovation. You know what I mean? And this is what the shit coiners will tell you. They'll be like, what about innovation? You hate innovation? No, it's like, I love innovation. You're not open-minded. I, yeah, they'll say you're not open-minded. No, I, I fucking love innovation, okay? But most evolutionary progress is a bunch of maladaptations until you find a successful adaptation. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And then when you have the successful adaptation, it carries forward. That's the zero to one moment. Most of these shitcoin adaptations are, or innovations are one to N. They're just different shitty versions of things we already have that personally enrich the founders, right? So it's like, who who has all the Bitcoin from Terra Luna? Somebody has it. Well, you know they, what I mean? they, they, they didn't sell it. it. They did I don't sell. believe that shit. No, I think you can track it. Can you? Yeah, I think it didn't it all go into Binance. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they sold it. If they, if it went into Binance, I mean CZ has it because he was a backer from fucking Terra Luna. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> somebody has it. That's the point. 80, was it eighty thousand? It swallowed. Yeah. Fucking. It didn't swallow it. It's in CZ's pocket. Well, <laughs> it it went back into the market. But yeah, I mean, look, I I, I barely paid attention to Terra Luna. It literally came on my radar when. Um, People said they're buying ten billion dollar Bitcoin, and the whole thing's out of shady. But I do yeah. think, I do think, I think you can grade them. I think Circle, in some ways, is probably the one you can trust the most. I think that's fully backed by uh, U.S. Treasuries, which isn't the perfect, yeah, but at least it tracks. Yeah, um, they're going to be hyper regulated. Yeah, like that—that's the path forward for them, especially after this terror collapse. It gives you know Treasury and you know all the, all the the fintech regulators like all the ammo they need to come after the stablecoin industry. You know. I think uh, it won't just be stable coins. Over. I think it's everything. Oh, they're stable. coming for us too. Mm. Yeah, they're coming for Bitcoin for sure. Not in the same way. They're coming for the cryptos. Yeah, I think for they're sure. coming for the cryptos. I think Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin and maybe ETH. What they're going to do to Bitcoin is, you know, they're going to they're going to hit us like there's going to, you know, there's an EPA sponsored attack that's imminent, right? Like, which was obvious the minute the EPA commission or the Biden admin commissioned the EPA to do a study. It's like. What do you think the EPA is going to find out? That what Bitcoin, is the EPA? Uh, the Environmental Protection oh. Agency, right? Yeah. What do you think the EPA is going to find out? You think they're going to find out that Bitcoin's fucking awesome, bro? You should fucking go all in? No, they're going to find out that Bitcoin is a waste. It uses too much energy. These people need carbon credits. They're terrible people. You know, some of them want to wear uh, bare fur coats. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and uh, they're all racist or something. You know what I mean? Like, that's going to be the narrative. Yeah, and this is why I'm like always... F- Fearful of Bitcoin only being picked up by the Republican side. I think it's. Mm. More, I think if, if anything, it's more important to be now pushing it to some uh, some people on the Democratic side. I listen. I would love to see Bitcoin be more bipartisan, but the truth is that it's not, and it hasn't been going that way. Um, the crypto, like the Ethereum side, tends to be heavily left, and the Bitcoin side tends to be heavily right. Like Bitcoin Twitter is like a right, more right leaning echo chamber. Um, you know, whereas Ethereum Twitter is like a more left-leaning echo chamber, right? This so is like, fucking why Americans so annoying. You've just literally taken these two coins and pitched them against each other. I think that was Joe Lubin's like uh, chief marketing innovation with Ethereum was like, let's pitch this coin to leftist. You know what I mean? I mean, once they once they complete the merge, they're going to come full attack. You yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Full attack. Yeah, and it's going to be painful and annoying. And POS difficult. is a you know, or the, all the proof of work. 
stuff is a shitcoin sponsored attack on on Bitcoin, and that's obvious to anybody who's paying attention. And you know what I mean? Proof of stake is better for them. It's better from an incentive perspective. Yeah, it allows them to do some of the things they want to do that you know we don't like, but they like, and they have powerful interest behind them, and they're well, trying to force a change in the code on us. It's that was like, that was the Ripple guy, wasn't it? Yeah, he changed the he code. sponsored the Greenpeace attack, and oh. it's like you can't just change Bitcoin's code. That's not how it works. There's, no, there's nobody we're going to call on the phone and be like, "Hey, man, <laughs> turns out Congress wants us to do proof of stake." That's never happening, you know. So what they'll do is it's they'll never they'll, happening. They'll hit North American Bitcoin miners with. Um, you know, taxes, regulations, um, all sorts of restrictions, carbon credits, et cetera. And the hash rate will move. Probably, yeah. Which is not long-term bad for Bitcoin, but it is long-term bad for North American Bitcoin mining. And I mean, America just keeps shooting itself in the foot over and over again. Like, uh, we can't stop ourselves from doing stupid things nowadays. You know what I mean? Mm. We're, we're Britain pre-World War One. you know? <laughs> Fuck off, man. <laughs> all right, I want to go through some of the things you wanted to talk about. Sure. Especially... Collectivism versus individualism. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Do you that. ever get, I mean, is there true individualism? I believe so, yeah. Or are you talking about here at a state level? Well, some people would say that, okay, so I'll, I'll give this up on the argument. I don't think most people are capable of thinking for themselves or thinking from first principles. I, I think that's a very small percentage of the population that can do that. Maybe it's like, I don't know, I'll say three to five percent max, right? Um, most most other people are just regurgitating things that the television has told them or their favorite Twitter influencer has told them or mm-hmm. their best friend or whatever. Um, so y- y- like some of the uh, individual um, versus collectivist ideas, like the the postmodernists would basically say that like, no, you're just a mix of your, you know, intersectional life and like you're, you are your, your tribe and, and your skin color and, you know, you're, uh, whether you're, um, able-bodied or not, whether you're fat or not, whether you're handsome or not, whatever. Like, that's what they would say. And you're just, you're going to project on the world as somebody who is all those things. I think that's bullshit. Although I do think that's like largely true. And most people do act like that, right? Um, You meet a guy from Alabama who drives a big old truck, probably he's going to be in favor of uh, Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Probably. Probably. I would guess so. 97% of the time. Yeah. But in the like 3% of individuals who uh, can think from first principles and do their own analysis... We get all of our innovation, all of our amazing ideas. Those are the people that drive the world forward. So the individual in a society has to be primary. The group can never outweigh the individual. The individual comes first. And group dynamics are important and humans have a you know tendency to collectivize, obviously. But like the individual is primary because the individual is what drives society forward. If we were all just tribal dynamics, we would have killed each other off long ago, right? But there have been enough individuals willing to stand up and say basically like, no more, or we're not going to do things this way anymore. We have a new way of doing things. Here's the idea. And usually what happens, usually they kill that person. But then later they go, you know that guy we killed? That guy had some good fucking ideas. (laughs) You know what I mean? China might disagree with you at the moment. In terms of? Well, the individual. Well, China prioritizes the collective, but China is not good at innovating. China just steals from America. I mean... (laughs) Do we know every single idea has been stolen? I mean, I, I know China is not I, good at innovating. I know China does steal, but like uh, they still, as a collective collectivist group, they they're in a pretty strong position with their space race. They're in a pretty strong position with their IT infrastructure. Has China ever been to the moon? Did China uh, invent the semiconductor? Has America ever Did been to China the moon? Did China invent the airplane? 
No, I mean it's playing catch. No, no, I no, I fully agree. No, they're, it's never gonna be able, they're never going to be able to do it because they don't have a free speech culture. Uh, they don't prioritize the individual in their society. They're full on collectivists. They crush individuals who dissent, and dissent is like the key to innovation. I I, I agree with everything you're saying. Here. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying here. All I'm saying is right now, certain parts of China appear to well, China itself appears to be in a strong position in certain areas. Sure, they appear to be. Yeah, they've yeah. they've grown a strong military. They have a strong space program. They have strong relations with lots of weak countries who are struggling financially. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I support it. That's just because some we, of the idiots listening might think I support this. I'm just recognizing it. Yeah, so we prop up China on the back of the American dollar. Globalism is our export. Like we export dollars, uh-huh. and without us, China doesn't exist. You know what I mean? So, like, America is fully supported. I think that's quite a bold statement now. No, it's true. It's true, though. How do you mean without... Almost uh, everything in this, you know, cute Airbnb... By the way, it's a very cute Airbnb. Thank you. Everything in this Airbnb, uh, you know, was manufactured in China, like most of it. And it was because of our dollar as our chief export. We are propping them up. If we decide to, you know, rehome the manufacturing base here in America or put it in Mexico or whatever, uh, China is going to be greatly diminished on the world stage. How much of China's exports are to the U.S.? I, I don't know the figure off the top of my head, but I bet I would Daddy's bet. he's looking. All right, I'll take a guess. Thirty uh, percent, I'll say. Hmm. I think they they would find a way of of managing that decline, and it wouldn't be uh, a, a, an instant switch off the tap. Because I'm, uh, yeah, I I think that uh, I'm short China in general. You know what I mean? I'm bullish America long term because even though, listen, like if you look at America right now, it's like it's fucking chaos, pure chaos. You know what I mean? Um, but we're really good at finding our way through the chaos. Like the American plan is to have no plan. And thus far, we've been doing pretty good. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got it. Uh, I think it's about 17%, but 17%. I'm not 100% sure. That's okay. Right. They can ride that out. Sure. Yeah. 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 Like I say, I'm no how fan. Much, how long could they ride it? See, then you get into the euro dollar system and it's like, how long could they ride it out without the us propping up the euro dollar system? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. These are complicated questions. But you're you're basically your my point is uh, uh, your point is that they are collectivist and they are doing great. They're doing great at the moment. Yeah, maybe they stole all their ideas. Maybe their innovation their, their innovation is control. Yeah, their their innovation. Yeah. Well, I think China and America is an interesting divide, right? Because it's like um, in the Peter Thiel framework of like, you know, AI is a fundamentally communist technology, mm-hmm. and Bitcoin is a fundamentally libertarian technology. Um, Chinese style AI Eastern communism is going to be, you know, the 20th, this is going to be the 21st century versus hopefully if we get it right here in America, um, libertarian free market bottom up style economics. Right. And I think that bottom up will always outcompete because top down systems can't account for unknown unknowns or what Taleb would call black swan. For libertarian because Bitcoin becomes the standard or libertarian within a, like libertarian influence within a framework of left-right democracy? Libertarian-ish. We're never going to be full libertarian. Never. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like American, America is supposed to have a vibrant free market and be a vibrant free market capitalist system. And that's, that's where the libertarianism is. Historically. Yeah. Yeah. But. And a Bitcoin will help, you know, set that right a little more because there's, there's a pretty significant public-private um, partnership between the state and large corporations at the moment because, uh, to some degree, the state is the biggest customer of every corporation on earth, which is you know ass backwards, and that's why we're seeing a lot of these uh, 
sort of weird. Like, why did why did every business go full COVID restriction because the state told them to? You would have assumed there would have been, you know, some high degree of businesses who were like, you know, fuck the state. Like, like I don't think Bass Pro Shops customers are particularly in love with COVID restrictions. You know what I mean? Well, I think I, you know what, I think some did, but it was tend to be it tended to be the smaller businesses within within red states who were a little bit more pushback. Yeah, I mean, you saw stuff like gyms try to stay open, and all. but anybody who was a large, um, you know, national conglomerate basically like bent the knee and did what they were told. You know. And it's because we have these bastardized incentives. It's because it's almost like the money is broken or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yep. Yeah, I mean, Elon Musk did kind of challenge in a different way. He did say "fuck the state" at a state level to California, not to yeah. do with COVID, but like, he, if anything, he is one person who is doing that at the moment. He's like, get back to fucking work, work in the office, mm-hmm. fuck California. Like, he is. Yeah, you know, with Twitter, he's just come out. I mean, I don't know if he's going to buy it anymore, but he's just been like straight and based with all the shit that's wrong with it. Yeah, no, total. I mean, listen, it's a uh, breath of fresh air. I was obviously like a year ago. My opinion on Elon was dog shit because he was annoying the fuck out of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? And now I have a higher opinion of of him mm-hmm. at this point in time. We'll see what he does with it, but I think he's the epitome of. Uh, What's the point of having fuck you money if you never say fuck you? Yeah. You know, yeah. he's basically saying fuck you to everybody yeah. at the moment. And they're going to kill him for it or he's going to make it out alive. We'll see. It's it's the greatest show on earth right now. You know? Yeah. I, I do. I wonder, like, the Twitter thing's kind of gotten quiet. I wonder if he's just like hoping it goes away. Well, his net worth is down significantly because of the imminent recession, you know, yeah. the macro environment. So, like, maybe he's like, oh, I don't have $43 billion <laughs> Well, it, it, I mean, it wasn't really his money, was it? it like, you saw he the, pieced it together, you saw yeah. the, uh, the cap table. Right. I do think, but back to the point about the individual versus the collective is, like, I mean, Elon is an individual who's, yeah. like, taking a stand for free speech, right? Collectivists don't like free speech because they don't even think it can exist because they don't, they think that everybody is just a makeup of their environmental uh, factors, you know, their cultural factors, their genetic factors, their race, their sex, their ethnicity, blah, blah, blah. Hold right? on. I think when you say something like that, you have to like define what you mean by a collectivist and then you have to yeah, <clears throat> you have to be clear on uh, what you mean by they don't like free speech. Because like, wh- what do you mean by collectivist? Like, the left hates free speech so and they want you, it censored. Yeah, but I just disagree that everyone on the left hates free speech. I just, I know some people might. But I don't well, think those people, can. you know what? Those people get fucking trampled underfoot. You know what I mean? So it's like it's not like their opinion is very uh, prominent. And and it's like, what do you, you know, like where you know, when we talk about free speech, what are the limits of free speech? Like, there are no limits to free speech. Yeah, but, I'm a free speech absolutist. Yeah, but there are. There's there's like there's not. You can yell fire in a crowded theater for sure. Yeah, but you can't. So you can't dox someone. There's there's laws against certain things. So like you, you can dox people. There's no laws against that in America. Oh. Uh, well, there might be platform rules. It's kind of considered there's, you shouldn't talk to people. There's terms and conditions, you can't, sure. You can't threaten violence. Or so. there's, there's, there's you certain, can threaten violence, yeah. I've, That's just a normal part of speech. So you're saying there is no limitations, there's no limitations under US on. laws. There, I th- I thought there's certain things, like certain no. things you can't say because they incite, like you incite well, violence. There are there are uh, precedents in court that like, let's say like, if I was to make a specific threat against somebody, like it would have to be like, Yo, hey, Peter McCormick, I'm going to come to your house at 6 p.m. on Tuesday the 9th, and I'm going to stab you with an ice pick, right? I can't say that to you because that's a very credible threat. Yeah. But I could say, but if you said something I didn't like, I could say, dude, fuck you. I'll fucking kill you, dude. I could say that. I think you can't incite violence, right? You can't incite others to violence. These are all very mushy gray areas, like, and you got to take it to court and see like what actually happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. and within the framework of the law, you can't, Defame people. Uh, you 
You can. You, you can, should, but you can face it all. We we have very different rules here than like your case has brought up a lot of you know issues. Well, I'm thinking more about Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Like, yeah, like was her for like should she have had First Amendment protection? Even? So those were like very very specific claims that she made against Depp, mm-hmm. and then she was shown to have you know basically lied in the courtroom, and you know he was awarded damages for that, right? Whereas um, you know if you just said like like. If Amber Heard had written an article that was like, Johnny Depp is a piece of shit husband and I hate his guts and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, that's not defamation. You know, defamation has to be like, I'm saying that you are doing something that you are actually not doing and it's provable. Have you found anything? Uh, here you go. Free speech exceptions, incitement to suicide, false statements of fact, counterfeit currency. Counterfeit currency, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Is that consi- so currency is considered speech? Yeah. Obscenity. Child pornography, fighting, fighting words. <laughs> Click on fighting words, Daddy. I'm gonna fuck you up. Uh, fighting words. How the is speech is unprotected if it constitutes fighting words. Fighting words, as defined by the court, is speech that tend to incite an immediate breach of peace, provoking a fight. So long as it's personally abusive, which, when addressed to the ordinary citizen, is, as a matter of common knowledge, inherent, inherently likely to provoke a violent reaction. Huh. So there yeah. are some limitations. Well, you know, it's basically like, but in all of these, in almost all of these instances, something after happened. So there was a cause and effect there, right? But if you said something, if I said fighting words to you, but then nothing happened, then what are you going to get me on? Yeah, but what I'm saying is that there are precedents set here that there, there isn't ultimate free speech. There are there are I'm, limitations, well, yeah, yeah. which, to, for example, a platform... To clarify my point, there should be ultimate free speech. I am a... Full on free, free speech, speech absolutist. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There are there are in court there are specific things that you know have been determined couth or uncouth under under the First Amendment. Yeah. So I, I don't want to deal into couth and uncouth, but like I, I personally accept that you know we live in a society and society has <laughs> rules and order. Rules and order. Uh, I don't like the incitement to violence. Like for example, I think I think that should you know you should not be inciting violence against people. I think it's dangerous. To be inciting violence, and I think, yeah, I because it's like you go along the set of rules. Should, yeah, should stabbing someone be illegal, and should you be prosecuted for that? Yes, absolutely. Mm. Well, should we avoid that? People, should we avoid situations that people can just go online and say, so and so lives at this address. They're fuck it. Let's go. And, let's go and burn down their house. And you know that kind of stuff is dangerous. And it if happens. you say that, and then somebody goes and does it and burns down the house, yeah, like you have liability there. Yeah, of but course. if you say that and then nothing happens, then you don't have any liability. But you I think, I, mean? I think trying to prevent that is not a bad thing. You know, removing the assignment to violence. I think in general that uh, engaging in violent speech is is not. It's like we're, we're we have this like weird black and white thinking where it's basically like. We used to have cultural norms of like decency and decorum, and you know, like there were things that were not necessarily illegal to do, but like we just didn't do because. But we didn't have Twitter. <laughs> right, right. That's that's part of it too. Yeah. And there are a lot of things that people will not say in person because I'm I'm right here. I have a reach. I could punch you in the fucking face. But if you said it to me on Twitter, I'd be like, oh, I can't do anything to this guy. Right. Like so, so it's like so I have to shout back at the keyboard warrior thing or whatever. Yeah. 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 But what I'm saying is, like, not everything needs to be codified into into law or into terms and conditions. Like, we need to have a culture that you know just says, like, listen, like, hey, don't incite violence. Like, don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, just- yeah. But there's a lot of very stupid people out there who can be convinced to do things. 
Well, yeah, I think that was uh, during 2020. Um, you know, you had the summer of riots, and then you had the the January 6th incident. And uh, I think in both cases, those were very stupid, mentally ill people who were incited to do things. Yeah. You know? So so you have inherent but risk there. If, if I say something and somebody does something, I'm responsible just because I said something? You know what I mean? But it depends, it depends how you do it. If, if you put you know, some false claim, I don't know, you say, so in the UK, yeah. we had, uh, Danny might be able to find it, there was a, a guy who was accused of being a pedophile, he wasn't. And I think a bunch of people went around and murdered him. Yeah. I mean, that's dangerous. That's totally dangerous, yeah. And and I, I think the UK, we don't, we have fucking terrible free speech laws. Obviously, I think yeah. that. Uh, we have we have hate speech laws. We have people who can be arrested and put in prison for saying words online yeah. that are considered hate speech. And I think that's gone too far. Of course. The, I, I think like we, when it comes to free speech, um, the individual has to have the ability to dissent. Right, and so we should always err on the side of caution when trying to respect or uh, restrict an individual's free speech. Right, so it's like sometimes people go too far, and we all know what that looks like. Right, and we all know what it is, and we all know when somebody needs to be held to account for it. But that's not most instances. Most instances, people are just kind of talking shit. You know what I mean? Mm, Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know, man. And then, and then there's a sort of form of social karma. Like the guy who said that thing to your sister on Twitter. Yeah. He got social karma because people held him to account for what he said because it was not acceptable. And you didn't need a law to say that's wrong. Right. People, people took it into their own hands to punish him for his actions. And I wish that hadn't happened. That's an interesting. So this guy tweeted at my sister. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, yeah and people listening that... Um, Everyone is glad that she's dead, posting a picture of my mum. And then people yeah. found his uh, employer and told him what happened. He lost his job. And I actually, I didn't want that. I didn't think he should have lost his job for it. I think he should have just fucking apologized. Yeah. Not doubled down. But that, you're right. There is, a, there is a social karma. And maybe that's better. I don't know, man. I hate the fucking, uh, the cancel culture shit. Like, I hate it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, that guy said a shitty thing to you and whatever. But like, uh that guy probably has a shitty life. Yeah, you know. Did. Yeah, so it's like. Well, I know where he where he was working when he lost his jobs. I was like, you definitely have a shitty life, right? Right. And you're a shitty person. Yeah. And life sucks. You've had a crap life, and your way of dealing with that is to go online and shout the most abusive things you can at people. And really, you should just be in therapy, and that <laughs> that, that would be healthy for you. Yeah. Well, it's this also goes to this point of like, people are just straight up fucking unwell. People are unwell mentally and like COVID and the lockdowns and the bullshit and the social strife and the fucking, it did not make things better. It made things worse. And like, I don't know. I just felt it when I was at the airport the other day. Like it just feels like people are ready to snap on each other at any second. You know what I mean? Again, feels a little bit more so here. Yeah. But well, America's, we do everything more than everybody else. Yeah. It's bigger, better. It's bigger, better, yeah. Yeah, uh, but but it is happening uh, back home, uh, certainly happening back home. But again, I said to you, I was listening to the Jonathan Haidt interview with Lex Friedman. Right. Today is a conversation <laughs> with Jonathan Haidt. And, and, he, and Jonathan Haidt was saying, you know, he did his studies when he was uh, writing uh, The Righteous Mind, went back to 2013-14, and there's a complete correlation between Incidents of self-harm, suicide, anxiety, and panic, att- panic attacks with the arrival of social media. And the social media is not the problem. Especially it, in uh, like preteen girls. Yeah, preteen yeah. girls. Can, yeah, because preteen girls go on Instagram mm-hmm. and boys are playing well, the, uh, playing Fortnite. 
girls do relational damage to each other, whereas boys do physical damage to each other. Like, I mean, when we were kids, like, you know, yeah. you'd punch your buddy or your mate, you punch him and then, you know, the next day you're friends yeah. again, right? Or, or maybe you weren't, but whatever. But like, you fought it out. Uh, girls do relational violence against each other. So in some sense, giving every preteen girl a smartphone is like giving every preteen boy a fucking Uzi. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like not good. <laughs> yeah. Because they're at home being like, oh, look at Becky. Oh my God, you're fat. You're a fat bitch. Fuck you. Blah, blah, blah. You know? <laughs> and it's also like when we were kids, um, you didn't get invited to the party, whatever. You didn't You didn't see it. You didn't hear about it. You didn't know you about it. You see it. It's in your face. Now you fucking see it. It's you like not it. only did you not get invited, but like we're, we're showing you how much you're missing out on. Like, you know, it's it's tough, man. It's tough to be a kid. Now. But he but he was saying also they just do different things. Girls go on Instagram, look at pictures, boys play games, yeah, and like yell at each other. So they're doing different things. But he was just saying that it's not social media that is inherently the problem. Being connected is a good thing. It is the algorithms and the rewards via the likes and the retweets and the pressures that come with totally. the incitement to argue, the incitement to live in an echo chamber. Something mm-hmm. we should talk about because they exist. I don't like them. Oh, yeah. Echo chambers, uh, like, like, listen, like everything is an echo chamber nowadays. The people who, who tell you they're not in an echo chamber, they're the deepest in the echo chamber. <laughs> like every single uh, thing in society has been turned into a, a lifestyle. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. it's like you got people who are so into the new Star Wars movies that it's their entire existence and they're in the Star Wars echo chamber, right? And it goes from that to like hardcore communism <laughs> to like hardcore far-right fascism. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like- How is communism making a comeback? Oh, I don't know, but I fucking hate it. And like, I swear to God, like I was wandering around like trendy Nashville getting a cold brew coffee and shit. And um, I swear if you polled like the majority of the young, beautiful looking people I was around, they would all be like, oh yeah, down with capitalism for sure, right? <laughs> it's like now a very common thing to say, you know? Now, before we carry on with the interview, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. I'm excited to announce my new sponsor, Cake Wallet, who I've recently started using as my mobile wallet for Bitcoin. Cake Wallet is a non-custodial wallet, which means it protects both your security and privacy because it doesn't share your important information with unnecessary third parties. And with Cake Wallet, not only can you hodl Bitcoin, but you can easily pay privately with Monero. It has advanced features for Bitcoin, including coin control and automatic address switching, and the app is designed to make it super easy to set up your wallet and back up your private keys. Now, if you want to find out more and check out Cake Wallet, please head over to cakewallet.com or search for Cake Wallet in the Apple or Google app stores. Next up, it is BCB Group. BCB Group provides online business banking for companies in the Bitcoin industry, and yes, I am now a customer of BCB too. They heard about the difficulty I was having finding a bank and they also understand Bitcoin and they reached out to me so I've moved my business banking across to BCB and I could not be happier. BCB's clients include major exchanges, market makers, funds and miners active in the UK and Europe but they are now expanding globally. They also have this amazing network called Blink which facilitates instant free payments between BCB clients for all supported currencies. Now listen, I know some of you have had trouble with this too. And if you are looking for a banking provider who understands and supports Bitcoin companies rather than creating hurdles, then like me, you will want to become a BCB customer. If you want to find out more, please head over to bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter, which is bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter. Next up, it is Compass Mining. 
but they are not just a sponsor. I am also a customer of Compass and I am back mining Bitcoin. And you know what? I've been mining for nine months with Compass now and I've already mined 0.66 Bitcoin, which has paid off two of my S19s already. Now any of you can start mining with Compass Mining and to help you, Compass has launched their Compass Score to help you make informed decisions about your next mining purchase. The score highlights how good each ASIC deal is based on a number of factors like price, miner age, difficulty, hashing power, and the current Bitcoin price. Compass makes Bitcoin mining accessible to everyone, and as a Bitcoiner, I'm happy to be supporting the decentralized growth of the hash rate. Now, if you are interested in mining, or you want to find out more, please head over to compassmining.io, which is C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G dot I-O. Also, we have Gemini, who I am using for buying and selling Bitcoin, but I'm only buying right. We're hodlers. We're not sellers. I am also using the Gemini app for buying the dips, and I have set up my DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin. Both the app and the website make buying and selling Bitcoin super easy, and Gemini has invested in building industry-leading security since day one. And Gemini are now running a special offer for listeners of what Bitcoin did. So all you need to do is head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD and new customers will get $20 in Bitcoin when they trade over $100 or more on Gemini. If you want to find out more, please head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD, which is G-E-M-I-N-I.com forward slash WBD. Yeah, I mean, you can understand why the different messages that, yeah, I think some people may be a little bit down on capitalism because they see it through a different lens. When you're young, yeah, you know, you're seeing you're being given messages within perhaps a more left environment, less free thinking, where billionaires have been demonized. You you can't get on the housing. Like, there's like a group of things that are making you think, you know, this capitalism thing's just a bit unfair. I think that's possibly why. Mm. Well, I think the you know because of the fiat system and like the monetary stimulus and the amount of increasing monetary stimulus needed. It's kind of like the floor used to be this, and now the floor is. Like this. And only people who are really adept can make that climb now. It's a really difficult climb. Yeah. It's a very steep, steep slope. Well, right. If you've got children, you're preparing now to try to try and get them on the housing ladder at some point. It's gonna oh, be yeah. nigh on impossible for my children to get on the housing ladder. I already like give my kids Bitcoin. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, I don't give my kids Bitcoin. Fuck that. Oh, I do. I mean, you know, you just keep it in a Well, you you always give it away. You always give it to me. <laughs> You're you're welcome. I provided uh, one Bitcoin for your legal defense against uh, Craig Wright. You know. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, we need another bet. Yeah, we should. What, what is that about? Uh, Isn't it going to be on a Bedford game? I've got. I've got. I think it's a good one. I think betting on whether Bedford wins their division, and Danny, be the arbiter of whether this is a good bet. Yeah. I think we go up. Whether we win or not, is tough. Coming top. You have to take the pro Bedford side, obviously. Of course, of yeah, course, of course. Um, you can have all the other nineteen places. I take. See, that the one. thing that sucks about that bet, though, is like you're in control of the outcome of that bet. So not really. Well, the, man- the manager is, and just as I mean, a, you're the team owner, so it's yeah. like you know what I mean. Are, so, you, are you saying automatic promotion or playoffs? Automatic. I've got to. We've got to win the league. Uh, it's not not a guaranteed thing. No. What, do you, what, Danny? What do you think the chances? What are? do you think the odds are on that? I probably won't bet against it. You went, better, you went better against it. So you have a good shot to do it. Well, I'm not make, giving you a cut. <laughs> I think we've got a good shot, but I think it's going to be between... There's there's us, there's Eden Sokum, there's Amptor, there's Northampton Sarwi. There's some good teams in there. Yeah. And last year, I threw money at the team. I bought them. We were seventh. 
at the end of the season. We finished seventh, and our wage bill went from zero to like, I probably shouldn't, well, it was public. It's about uh, £2,000 a week. Totally. Okay? And it made zero difference. So you cannot just buy success. Yeah. But Unless you're Man U or whatever, right? Yeah. What do you What do you think the odds are? I, I, so I put I put it. If I was betting, I actually felt fifty fifty. I think we go up, but I think it's fifty fifty whether we win. You think it's fifty fifty? I think it's genuine fifty fifty. I think it'd be leaning in your favor slightly. Okay. Mm. All right. I don't know. I don't like that one. I think a bet on a single game is more interesting. Yeah. And quicker. I got to pick your uh, your toughest competition, and then you know that'd be that e- Eden Sokum away. I imagine is going to be. Yeah. I'm not think. I'm trying to think if there's any other like election stuff. Mm. There's the World Cup. We could just do like the fucking Super Bowl or something. Uh, we should just go. We'll just go to the Super Bowl. Well, we'll we got we got the World Cup and our NBA, NBA finals are like this week, aren't they? Isn't England in the same group as the USA? Or is you no USA is no. in a group with Iran, Ukraine. Yeah, it's like the group of it's death. The, the, actual, like the actual group of the death. actual group of death. <laughs> <laughs> right, I don't know anything about football. You know what I mean? Like nothing. We will come up with the bet. Well, we should talk about Bitcoin as well. Yeah, we've no, not really we been talking about Bitcoin. <laughs> How do you feel Bitcoin's going? Um, well, it was better when I was richer. Remember that? Remember when we were richer? That was good. I don't know. I am richer because you keep giving me Bitcoin. You must be really poor if that's doubling your uh, network. Honestly, I'm I'm immune to the price. Yeah, pretty much. Like long term. Long term, yeah, of course. I mean, like, how many times have we have we gone through this? Well, know? I th- I think we're meant to feel scared right now. Yes, that's always. what we're meant to feel. And you're meant to feel like shit. I should probably sell some because it mm-hmm. might go down, and then mm-hmm. it then it rallies. Yeah, there's a classic expression on Wall Street: wear them out, scare them out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they know that retail can't play the same games that the big whales can play, so they try and just put the pain on you as much as you can. And if you're a retail investor, you have to just you know suck it up and get through it. There's like a Munger quote that's basically like. Um, if you can't, you know, go down fifty percent without making a big fuss about it, you're not you're not well adapted to, to uh, you know long term investing success. Basically, so it's like if you're if you're whining on Twitter about you know <laughs> your net worth being down, like you're probably not going to make it. You yeah, know? I think we've uh, decoupled from the cycle, the four year cycle. That's right. I, I think that's dead. I yeah. think that's I think narrative wise, people are going to start pushing it in about a year. And they're going to see. But oh, th- people have all sorts of justifications for it. It's yeah. like, oh, it's a lengthening cycle. It's a double cycle. It's, it's a, a triple cycle. Super whatever. cycle. Yeah, a super cycle. Like it's like, I think it's all nonsense. And I used to believe in it pretty heavily. But like, here's the thing: is like we, and as Bitcoiners, we're extremely myopic. We have no fucking idea what's going on in the broader macro context, other than like there's increasing monetary stimulus, and we all sort of lean on that as like our, you know. Um, but we don't really understand like the macro headwinds or how the big capital allocators are thinking about the markets, and we do our best to try and understand it. But like now that we're you know, trillion-dollar asset class, not now, not but now. like we were, yeah, um, we're getting pushed around in the macro waters. We live in we live in the ocean now. We've gone from the tide pool to the fucking ocean, and things are different in the ocean. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I I think that if that cycle's decoupled, I don't actually know what it means because it could mean we could bounce around in a range of like years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have been we have been in the same range since December of 20. I know. That's kind it, of mad when you think about June it. It is now June of 22. I know. So we haven't gone out of that range the Eight, entire time. 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of weird when you think about it because you look at the price, you're like, oh, yeah, we're still at 30,000. That's kind of cool. And it's like, yeah, we were there 18 months ago. It's like, really? I know. It's annoying. Because you're like, uh, like right, should have traded what are we at? 28 right now. So if you bought the top in 2017, you're up like, what, like 30% or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very good. Yeah. It's a five years for 30%, you know. 
yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, um, you didn't buy the top. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, but I didn't sell the top. Uh, some people did. No, some, well, none of us ever. Could sell be the worse. Top. You could have yeah. bought it sixty nine. I always write it down. I always tell myself I'm not going to get euphoric. And then every bull cycle, I get super fucking euphoric. We're going to 300K. I'm exactly. going to bet half a Bitcoin on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> and uh, I just can't help myself, man. I'm, and I'm never going to apologize for being bullish on Bitcoin. You can't be too bullish on Bitcoin, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I I do feel like everything is like changing in Bitcoin now because yeah. of this. And that's probably a good thing. You yeah. Know, having yeah. those like predictable cycles. Yeah. It's, maybe it's gray and maybe it's fine. I wish I'd had one more. Just one, just one more. We all wish that because we all wanted to dump the top and then rebuy at the bottom of course you know as an individual that's what i wanted everybody wants that as yeah. the as the collective i want more stable consistent growth yeah yeah i think so too i think that's better for bitcoin i think it's better for adoption i think it's better for everyone bitcoin tina has this like hardest trade thesis where he's like basically like uh, bitcoin is going to bore you to a million dollars a coin love it and it's that's what's happening i feel fucking bored to death when's it when do you think it'll happen by Million a coin. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say 2027 at the latest. So five years from now. I bet your Bitcoin it doesn't. That's done. Done. 2027. 2027. I mean, no one loses in that bet. No one loses in that bet. I get to. By the way, I get to the end of 2027. Actually, Hoddle loses. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I, uh, that's just annoying because I've got to wait like what's that, five years till 2028. I think that's a good bet. Yeah, but you know, we're all five years going to go like that. It's like, a good fucking, bet because you're, you're either right or you're, or you're wrong. But, no, it's a good one. But I think. And I love betting. I love taking the bullish side on bets. And it's not about winning the bet, it's about deepening my conviction. You know what I mean? No, I like I like winning the bet. I yeah, just that's fine. You need it. You're much poorer than that. <laughs> that sounds like Coe Puddle. The, the, only, the only thing is, five, is a <laughs> five, years, five years is a long time. I don't think there's a guarantee that either of us are actually alive in five years. So we should probably put that into some kind of. Multi-sig escrow Multi-sig, storage. Yeah. Put, okay. on, put on one of those um, little... Th- we were supposed to do like a DLC and like and we never got around I know. Around. We never got around Maybe we should do some fancy like, I don't know, taproot shit or I something. I thought you did one with Phil Geiger. Or was that just a multi-sig? No, that was a multi-sig. Yeah, yeah. Where, where I lost the key. Basic multi-sig. And he, yeah. <laughs> he's lucky I didn't fucking dump my key. Yeah. Because yeah. I was going to throw it away. Because as soon as I lost the bet, I was like, I don't need this key. But then you lost your key. Yeah. You're welcome. I'm a nice guy. Were you proud of me of figuring out my... Um, the open dime. Open dime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I knew that like Danny or somebody would help you. No, you know? no I did it all on my own. The only thing was, you knew you got to break that thing. Yeah. I was like trying to break. I was like, am I Use meant a to be safety pin? Am I meant to be pushing this hard? <laughs> Can you end up def- destroying the device? Uh, yeah. You yeah. probably could yeah. break it in half if yeah. you did it wrong. But like just a safety pin, you just push it right there. I got a Matt O'Dell tutorial for that. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Matt O'Dell. There you go. Appreciate you. Did you get it in person or did he do it? Uh... No, I found um, I found a video who was doing about it. I love, man. 2027 20, million a coin. I feel confident about that. Okay. I'm in my hodl zen mode at the moment. What so do like, I think? What do I think? I mean, the, I think the way it gets there is more from uh, dollar debasement than from Bitcoin accumulation, price accumulation. Because sure, we but they're go through two sides war. of the same coin. Yes and no. Like, I don't think we get there thinking, wow, we've got masses of purchasing power here. I, I don't think we get okay, there thinking. But, I don't get, think we get there thinking we're poor either. You know no, I mean? but like when you're right about like okay, so take like um, a trophy property, right? Um, those are going to continue to go up in value, especially with all the monetary stimulus. So like right now, it's like let's say it's roughly twenty five million bucks to have like a baller place anywhere yeah. in the world. You could have it in Aspen or Miami Beach or L.A. or Hawaii, whatever, right? Bedford, Bedford probably 
you probably buy the dollars. You probably buy the town. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> so like, let's say it's twenty five million bucks. By the time you get to a million dollars a coin, same property is probably fifty million bucks. So if you want the property, you got to part with fifty. Coins. I mean, fifty fifty percent debasement in five years—that's feasible, depending yeah, on how I much think so. how much money the Fed prints. But they're about to print like fucking crazy. You know what I mean? Well, we just we just post election. Yeah. Well, pre midterms, you think? Uh, no. There's that. There's too much gridlock right now. They're not going to get anything done, in right. my opinion. Okay. Uh, so we had press. Plus, the Republicans want to. They want to fuck with Biden. So, like, the Republicans are pro recession at the moment. Right. You so, Pre- Preston thinks they're going to print five to ten trillion. I agree with that assessment, hundred percent. That's fucking wild. Yeah. Well, they have to do it every time. They have to increase the stimulus, and they have to decrease the amount of time between stimulus, which is a great deleveraging. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> We're fucked. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like everything is going up. Like basically everybody got minted during COVID. Anybody who had any amount of financial assets, right? Yeah. Um, so like everybody did well, you know, except for people who didn't have assets. They did really shitty. And I think, you know, back to the conversation about communism. I mean, this is why the calls for communism are going on is because if you don't own anything, we're basically becoming stratified like Europe where it's like we have a class system. Like you guys have a total class system and like there's some social mobility there, but like- We don't really have a class system. You effectively do. It's just invisible. You know what I mean? There's very little social mobility uh, in the UK. There, there is much more in America. That Danny's giving you eyes, and I'm giving you eyes. Yeah, I'm, I know. I'm I know. trying to think about it. No, I mean you, you guys like we have the elite class. Yeah, the lords, the lords and the ladies, the lords and the ladies. Yeah, there's just it, this is a fact. There's much less social mobility in Europe, and I, that's starting to become the norm in America as well. I think we used to. I think I think we used to have a very traditional like labor stronghold working class. But I think that I think that's gradually been eroded. Sure. I don't feel a class system in the UK. That's because you're part of the lower class. You have to tell yourself that. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, we will see. That's a good bet, though. That's a really good bet. I like that bet. And we yeah. better hope you can. You can. It's basically a double of quits now. It's a million dollar bet if I'm right. You know? Yeah. It's a, could be a 990,000 bet if you're wrong. <laughs> That's what you would love, yeah. yeah. I would love. Go right up to 990. Yeah, go, no, literally 999. I've got your list here. Brainwashing. Let's talk about brainwashing. Oh, yeah. Me and you were talking about You know, you were the one who said this to me. You were like, do you know... You were the Did one I? who said it to me, and you said it to me like this. You were like, you know how like uh, at Jim Jones' cult down in like Guyana or wherever, yeah, uh, they would like blare messages on the loudspeaker, and then you were supposed to repeat them, or like yeah. in Fight Club, like where it's like you are not a special and unique snowflake, you are nothing. Um, the process of being on Bitcoin Twitter is a lot like this. Like there are things you can say and things you can't say, and so over time, you basically just keep repeating the same things that you are allowed to say. Like you mean groupthink? Yeah, right. And this is like a sort of self-brainwashing that happens. And like you're not really super aware of it. Like this is part of the echo chamber thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean I've I've I feel like I've always resisted it. I feel the gravity of it sometimes, but I've also tried to resist it. Uh sure. But it exists. You're still captured by it though. Everybody is. Uh, I I think I'm captured by the bullishness of Bitcoin, what it means, but I don't think I'm captured by the political lens that it's seen through by certain people. Uh, sure. You just mean that you mean that the Bitcoin Twitter echo chamber is like more right leaning. Uh, basically. I think it, I think it can be, yeah. 
No, I think it's like an absolute fact that it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm right. I'm right leaning myself, so like I have no problem saying that. You know? Yeah. Uh, I think it's right leaning. I think it's anarchist leaning. Yeah. Um, Go on Twitter and uh, you know put up uh, you know a post that's in defense of vaccines or social welfare or you know <laughs> whatever. I mean, I've done all of those. Yeah, and you got significant pushback each time you did it, right? Because the echo chamber leans right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's healthy? Um, I think it's natural. And in some sense, like I think the filtering mechanism is working as intended. But then in some senses it's it's a net negative. So it's it's really tricky to get your head around like, is Bitcoin culture helpful or harmful to Bitcoin? Like, I don't know the answer to that. You know what I mean? And at this point, it's fucking it runs on its own. Like the like like you're like, ah, I need to go there and I need to push against the culture. I need to do this, I need to do that, or like Udi was a person who was like really, you know, going hard against the culture for a while there, uh, trying to do echo chamber bursting. And it's just like, just gonna get fucking steamrolled. It's like I, saying I'm gonna fight that tank. Mm. The tank is gonna win, you know. No, I think I think I think I think my approach is different to Udi's. Sure. I think Udi is a soft. I think Udi is contrarian for the sake of contrarian. Yes. And it's more of a troll. I think Udi believes those things. It's, the trolling is cover. Jeremy put it uh, away yesterday. He said, "What you can, what you tend to find in Bitcoin Twitter is that people just close doors, like they close doors on ideas. They just shut them closed, and I'll come along and I'll reopen it and say, well, mm. can we think about this? Have you thought about this?'" I think um, dogmatism is something that needs to be fought. You know what I mean? Like if you've come to these conclusions like via a rigorous first principles analysis, I think it's that's great. You know what I mean? But if you came to these conclusions because they were prescribed to you, that's shit. And that needs to get out of cult, Bitcoin culture. Like, we need more independent thinkers in Bitcoin, not less. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't, if I'm talking to you in person, like at a conference or something, and you're just, I can tell that you're regurgitating talking points to me, I just have like zero respect for you. And you what, why do you think that happens? Do you think it happens because people want to fit within a certain group? Or do you think it comes back down to that Jonathan Haidt thing whereby like you're either, you either have one set of beliefs or you have another set of beliefs. Like conservatives tend to feel believe a lot of similar things. Mm. And, you know, is it are they doing that to fit within the conservative framework? No. Or, or are they doing it because a conservative is a certain mindset? They're, well, they're not mindsets. Uh, Height describes them as moral palettes. Yeah. Right. So like liberals have a much um narrower moral palette than conservatives do. Conservatives have a much uh, broader moral palette where like Purity is something that conservatives are really interested in, whereas liberals have like basically no care about uh, purity at all. Whereas the liberal moral palette is about um, care harm reduction. Care harm reduction. Yeah. So everything is about care harm reduction, and that's why they prioritize the group right yeah. over the individual because individuals can harm the group essentially, and so they're always trying to prioritize for the least amount of harm. And you know, they the problem is like this is why. Um, you know, Stalin or Hillary Clinton, I think, said this as well. Like, I'm not, <laughs> not trying to draw too direct a comparison, I mean, but uh, basically, that you know, there's a lot of people on the left who are useful idiots because you can use their empathy and their sense of caring against them quite effectively. Whereas uh, it's not true on the right. Now, on the right, you can use. Do you not have a bias there to say? This? No, no. I'm saying on the right, you can use like um, sort of appeal to authority much more effectively. Yeah, you know, they're always the right is always looking for like a strong man to lead them, right? Like that's. Part of the Trump phenomenon. There. Okay. So there are different ways you can manipulate different groups, right? The like liberal is somebody who's telling you, like, there's no room at the top because that guy 
took your spot from you. Like that guy is the problem. They pointed the conservative. Yeah. Conservative is a person who's saying like, there's room at the top. You can join me. Like you just have to be born like super special like I am. Right. You know, and it's like um, both of them are just trying to manipulate their, their groups. But back to my question, do yeah. you think they, they are coming to those conclusions and repeating those talking points because they want to fit in with the group? Or do you think it's because of their moral palette? It's both. It's both. Right. It's both. Sometimes it's the moral palette and sometimes because they want to fit in with the group. I think you're like a person who probably fits in more with the group than you otherwise would based on your like moral palette, your internal moral palette. Right. Like Bitcoin Twitter is not something that you're culturally like or you weren't very culturally aligned with it, you know, in the beginning. And no, you've I gotten, mean, I've come to more towards it. You've gotten more culturally aligned with it as time's gone on. I mean, your your livelihood is centered around having discussions around Bitcoin and certainly like a lot of these ideas lean right, you're going to have to be, you know, more acquiescent to that viewpoint than you otherwise would be. But I am considered right in the UK. I'm in very the UK. Clear, yeah, 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 very clear about that. We view you as a hardcore leftist, like similar to Mao. Well, know? I mean, <laughs> there is the whole, the rest of the world is left of the US. Um, I don't much. think that's true of like, you know, the Philippines or yeah, Africa. I, think, I know, or I think it is. Russia or, I think you know. Everyone is to the left. I don't, that's not true. That's uh, they have pretty mean, significant, that's, that's a like, generalization. They have pretty significant like anti-gay laws in places like Saudi Arabia. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like That's very fair. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you I think was, Saudi Arabia is left of the... I mean, I, 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 was, I, was, I was making a generalization <laughs> for comedic effect, but now we're having to analyze this. I mean, yeah. I, I can agree with you on that point. But uh, yeah, look, I... Here's my thing. It's like, listen, I what I want is not, I don't give a fuck what your political opinions are. I, I don't care. You know what I mean? What I want is uh, deeply reasoned, you know, thinkers in Bitcoin who have come to their own conclusions and they didn't come here because this is the right thing to say to get engagement on Twitter. And I think like there's this whole new class of like, you know, Bitcoin Twitter influencers. I'm not going to like, sign, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to signal anybody out, but like, you know, there are a lot of people who don't have a very deep understanding of Bitcoin. And it's become very difficult to get like, yeah, it's, but yet they have, you know, a hundred thousand followers on Twitter and it's become very, um, yeah, and it's, become, <laughs> it's become very easy to get clout because Bitcoiners want to hear a sermon that, you know, sounds something like Bitcoin is the best. You should hodl your Bitcoin. There'll only be Bitcoin. 21 million and there's 6 million millionaires on the planet. Bitcoin will bring you big titty bitches and eternal rich. You know what I mean? Like this is the, these are the things that oh, we'll get, we'll get back to your responsibility for Bi that. <laughs> Bitcoin, uh, there's certain things that Bitcoiners want to hear. And if you tell it to them, they're willing to give you clout for it. Like they're willing to follow you and they're willing to give you engagement on your post. And you, know, you can turn that clout into maybe money at some point. It's unclear. And so like for me, it's like it used to be a lot easier to get sats than it was to get clout. And most of us didn't want clout anyway. Like we wanted to kind of stay more anon because we didn't, it was the early days. We didn't know if the government was just going to fucking ban hammer us at any moment. Right. So it was like, I'm going to buy this Bitcoin and kind of not talk about it, right? It's like it's like uh, when weed was illegal versus now that weed's legal. Like, people just smoke I'm, weed out on the street now. You know, it's like normal. Don't even want to smoke it now. Right. It's not cool it's anymore. Not cool anymore. Yeah, it's not cool anymore. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think basically, like, that's something that people need to be careful of. And, like, you shouldn't, like, fuck, fuck being, like, a follower of anybody. You know what I mean? Like, who cares what anybody else thinks about anything? Like, care about what you think and your own ideas. And maybe that, like... And so I said earlier, like only 3% of the population thinks for themselves. And so maybe this is just like inevitable in, in Bitcoin's adoption and, you know, the rise of Bitcoin that we're going to have a lot more people who don't think for themselves here than we used to. Yeah, but I think you what's know? happened is like there's different now factions now building. Yeah. 
you know, sure. there is a, a hardcore toxic pleb culture, like a faction. The taco carnivore pleb. The taco carnivore. You're, um, you're, um, yeah, you spawned that. I did not spawn you the taco did, carnivore you thing. You did. That's, I did you, not. You know, no, we'll no. come back to that. But there is that. I also think there's like the, uh, what I would consider a traditional uh, Bitcoiners. Like a faction of traditional Bitcoiners, they've been around for a long time. Like a VJ Boy Party. No, I'm maybe. thinking more like Jimmy Song. Okay, yeah. Adam Bat. Very traditional values. Very focused on the mission of Bitcoin. Has haven't changed at all uh, in in their views on what you know Bitcoin should be and where it's going. Those guys, I mean, those are like technical gods. And, they, and they're going to be around forever. Of and course. they're super important. The, yeah. the, the, the annoying thing about that is new people coming along not knowing who the fuck they are. I saw, did you see that guy argue with Adam Bag? He said, you must be new around here. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's crazy. I, dude, <laughs> can you imagine saying that? I, uh, and someone other was, he's like, dude, he was cited in the white paper. Shut the fuck up. I can't remember who I met, but I met somebody in Miami who uh, had never heard of Piero Shard or, or Michael Goldstein. And I was like, these guys are like the Mount Olympus of Bitcoin okay. meme culture. You, you know need, what I mean? And you need to go and read everything they wrote. Yeah. That's like a start. You read the white paper yeah. and you go on Nakamoto Institute and you I read was, fucking uh, everything. I was flabbergasted because to me, somebody like a Pierre or a Michael are, are like famous. You know, I think of them as famous. <laughs> I just know. think of, for me, it's just how important their work is when I first got in, you know, reading everything. And you know, it's one of those things I need to go back and do again. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of like... Uh, it's kind of like the Bitcoin Federalist. Everyone uh, is a scammer is a classic. Everyone's a scammer. Well, article. What the, uh, yeah, but also what was a great one was the uh, speculative attack. Yes. Like, yeah. you know, to foresee that was was so good. But I think what happens is they come in, like you, you come onto Bitcoin Twitter, what are you going to see? You're going to see uh, Michael Saylor, obviously, who's mm-hmm. kind of new to Bitcoin, very smart, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to see, you know, some influential kind of people, whether it's, yeah. you know, People who've got podcasts who write, and a lot of these people have accelerated in growth very quickly. Mm-hmm. And maybe these people are coming in with like, you know, the earlier you come to Bitcoin, maybe the more you care about going down that rabbit hole. And I may be generalizing here, but maybe you care no, more about that true. deep rabbit hole. And some people come in a little bit looser now, and maybe maybe they don't even read the white paper, or they're not encouraged to read the white paper, or mm. not, not encouraged to go to Nakamoto Institute. You know, they go to CoinDesk or you know whatever they see a. A Swan Bitcoin talk. They they hear what Bitcoin did show, and they just have a, this very loose connection. And there's yeah. no reason them to know or find out these people exist, but they're missing out on like very key parts of the education. I think that's fine too. Like, well, it's, it's just fine. It's just a different thing. It's yeah. It's it's almost like um, it's like it's like you drop a stone in the pond, right? Those big ripples are you know the center. They're big, and that's where like it, the core is. But as this idea spreads out, it just becomes a little bit flatter, a little bit looser. Totally. So I th- I feel like I have this feeling uh, towards those guys, the young guys who are coming in now, like where it's basically like um, I want them to take the baton. I want them to run with it. Yeah. But I also want them to be deep thinkers who are who are reasoned, who come to their own understanding, who are not having ideas prescribed to them, who are not saying things for engagement farming. You know what I mean? Who like are really trying to push this forward. Those guys take take the fucking baton and run with it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, the guys who are coming in like clearly grifting, like, and there are a lot of those. Again, I won't say names, but like that, I don't like and and never will. And you uh, know, it's basically like at a certain point, I think like are they grifting or are they just trying to establish themselves mildly aggressively? Well, a lot of these guys have a shit coin, and that shit coin is themselves, <laughs> and that's the shit coin they're shilling. You're a little bit that way. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> but I love you. Uh, you know, it's true. I'm. I'm not. I'm. I, I'm not I'm, about you. I'm saying no, in general. Like, like it's I, true. I probably was like that early on. I'm less. Less of that now. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, but you know, I have a product and I market in it. It's a yeah. it's a show, and I want people to listen to it. Totally. Mm-hmm. So that that's a reality. Mar- yeah, you got to market yourself a little bit. Yeah, you know, what products I mean? products get marketed. But no, I I understand what you mean, and uh, I just think as as this idea grows, it becomes more boring. It becomes easier to use. People have to care less. True. That's and, very true. And you know, some people are just going to turn up. They're going to download a wallet. It's going to become with their privacy baked in. They're going to buy some Bitcoin. They're going to spend it. They have those known. They yeah. don't have this deep need. Like pe- before, we even had wallets. I mean, I'm guessing some people were using the com- command line interface. You've got to have a deep technical lo- knowledge, right? You know, and then if it you was inaccessible t- to me at that time period, I could have never come in at that time period. Interestingly you know? enough, the first time I ever bought Monero, I used the command line interface. Really. But it I did. Interesting. But then I got stuck, not knowing how to get it out. So I ended up having to get fluffy, <laughs> yeah, fluffy Pody had to sort that shit out for me. Right, but I right. first used it. I first used it on the command line. Interface. Well, yeah, and I, I think it's totally cool for um, you know new people to come in and explain it and take ownership of it. And like Bitcoin is so much bigger than any one of us. So like to get all hung up on like your identity as like a Bitcoin think boy or whatever, it's like who gives a shit? Man? Well, like, I just Bitcoin's think, bigger than you. You know, I think this just new wave of uh, macro thinkers has been brilliant. And, and, yeah. and you know, these are people who. If there was no Bitcoin, there'd still be macro thinkers. You've Lin totally. incredible. Luke Wyman's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, even George Gammon, I like. I like Preston Pish. Uh, I've been spending a lot of. Do you know Joe Carlosari? I definitely know that name. Why do I know that name? Uh, yeah, he does Twitter Spaces and stuff. I've been spending. Yeah. You know, I've been spending a lot of time with him, and he's been really. You know, he has a master's degree in economics. He's a lawyer in Chicago, and uh, you know, he's been explaining the euro dollar system to me and how it works and. Okay. How the Fed doesn't really print money and like the actual intricacies of the plumbing surrounding like the global liquidity of the dollar and like that shit, man. It's just like I didn't know any of that. You know, I've spent the last year like learning it and I'm still, I have like a very noobish understanding of it. Like I couldn't fully explain it or articulate it to you. Yeah. But it's important for me to like learn that shit now that we're now that we're bigger, now that we're more prominent. Like it's not just Bitcoin Twitter culture that matters anymore. It's like macro. The macro environment matters more than anything. But you've got you like know? you've got someone like Saverdeen who's basically a Bitcoin economist. Yeah. And then you've got macro economists who who like Bitcoin. Yes. And and that that means we've kind of we've grown. The, you know, the pie's growing, the ship's growing, we've got more people. And it's like, yeah, I like Bitcoin, but I've got all this other shit I've got to pay attention to. But this mm-hmm. is the role it plays with that. And I think that's that's just a, a part of the evolution. I think it's good. Yeah. It would be nice to get people back to that, but I just don't think people are gonna care that much. It's. Uh, I keep pointing people to this piece by Paul Tudor Jones. Do you know yeah. it, the Great Monetary yeah. Inflation? You remember yeah. that one? Yeah. Basically, like what he outlines in the in the piece is that you know hard assets are going to do really well in this macro environment, and Bitcoin's going to be the fastest horse in the race. And I think that's the correct um, you know framework for the you know next decade that we're going into. Essentially, yeah. Like the the what got us here won't get us there. You know, so it's like it's important to do the work and become a little broader and more in depth in our understanding and not just, you know, do meme culture shit all day, which like, listen, I was like the worst at that. I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm, that's me. I'm, I'm that guy. But also, uh, I'm in Bitcoin for the long haul and like, I really want to understand what's happening in the world on a deeper level. And when you say what got us here, is that more, it was the kind of uh, anarchist, like rebellious, like ir- resistance. Irreverent, yeah. like fun, like cool, you know, cypherpunk, sovereignty, libertarianism. Re- resilient against some pretty big attacks. Yeah. 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 And I mean, we had to be intolerant too. Yeah. At that time. In order for in order for Bitcoin to be here, we had to be extremely intolerant, right? Um, I don't know if that intolerance is like required in peacetime. It's probably required. Like vigilance is always required in yeah. Bitcoin. You have to be constantly vigilant. There's like that Ben Franklin quote where it's like, that's the price of liberty is like constant vigilance, right? 
Um, so yeah, essentially, like we always have to be on guard for attacks against Bitcoin, and and we always are, especially if you're like like me, like I have 100 percent of my net worth in Bitcoin. So like things that affect Bitcoin really fucking affect me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, so yeah, I'm always on guard for that shit. But like honestly, it's a lot of the same bullshit over and over and over again. And there are new things to know. We're moving into a new territory. This is a big boy asset now. Like you know, basically, yeah, what got us here can't get us there. We gotta. We got to go forward. Or you can just say, fuck it, I'm just in my HODL Zen mode and I don't need to understand what's happening. I'm just, you know, I've already predetermined the outcome that Bitcoin's inevitable. And uh, I'm just going to just gonna chill out until we get there. So you're saying we don't need the toxic taco plebs that you created? <laughs> so I didn't create the taco pleb movement. I think it, I think uh, Pirate Beach Bum, Psychedelic Bart, and Dieter, Dieter Bob are the architects of the taco carnivore plebs. Yeah, but they're, they're like, uh, they kind of morphed from you. I you know I think my style uh, has been parodied into oblivion. How on many dot hodls are there now? Many. There's it, it, many. Do, every time you see one, does it like does it have a little like bell ring? Head, like that's that's what I started. It's like son. No, um, it, you know it's just for me. It's like I can't watch my own style be parodied over and over again. It's boring. <laughs> you know. I think it's funny, man. Yeah, I mean, fuck it. There's like. Arizona hodl. <laughs> There's a lot of hodls now. <laughs> yeah. Mumbai hodl, Bangladesh hodl. They're, they're everywhere and uh, it's a real culture. But uh, they they certainly have... This, there's a style to the hodls. Yeah, for sure. And they're very intolerant. Yeah, very. Yeah. I think um, like for with me when I was doing it, like... You but know, you did like there was a... Con- con- I'm, I'm, there was a funny side to it. I'm pretty affable. Like, I'm, yeah. You know, most of it is me... Joking around. Yeah, that's what I always felt. I never felt it was that serious. And I feel like a lot of people um, miss the joke. Yeah. You know, and only saw like the vitriolic parts of it. But it's like a, it's like performance. I talk with Junseth about this all the time. It's like me and Junseth both were doing different versions of performance art um, in Bitcoin. And it's like you you never know what kind of culture you're going to spawn after you leave. You know what I mean? It's. I take no responsibility. You, you made me a lot of new friends, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> some of your besties, huh? Yeah, some of my besties. I've gone really well with them. Um, it's sort of like it's like at the end of Fight Club when uh, you know he realizes that Project Mayhem is like uh, grown beyond him, and he's yeah. like, "Oh my god, what what's happening? What have I the, created?" The narrator's here? in the middle of the story, and he's like, "Wait, what? What's going on?" You know what I mean? Sometimes I have that feeling. Who's Dita Bob in that film? <laughs> <laughs> he's the guy with the bitch tits. Absolute meatloaf. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Meatloaf. Uh, yeah, sad times, sad times. All right, man. Uh, well, how are we doing for time? Uh, about an hour and a half. Jesus, that's just flown by. Yeah, we can go longer. What do you want to talk about? Come on, baby. What's on the sheet? It's, it's on your, it's your sheet. Uh, you told me last night at dinner you wanted to talk about rational shitcoining. Well, I did that at the start. Did we? Yeah, I talked about the stable coins. Oh, stable coins. Yeah, like, that's your idea of shitcoining. Got it. Got well, it. yeah. I mean, I just think it's like I say. It's I've spent. Well, we don't even talk about that because we talk about. It. Yeah, I think we've done the list, man. That's the problem. Yeah, I think one of the things on the list is like the negative implications of Bitcoin, which like never get talked about. And I think the one big negative implication of Bitcoin, and I don't, and I don't know if it's a negative or a positive. That was a nice header. That was a great header. Yeah. <laughs> what a um, I don't know if it's a negative or a positive, but something we never talk about with Bitcoin is that we we turned on an unstoppable machine. It's a machine that we can't turn off. Yeah, we've never done that before. I don't know in the history of humanity we've ever had a machine that can't be turned off. It's an, it's an organism, right? 
That's growing. Yeah. And in some senses, I've said this before, but I, I feel that Bitcoin is a narrow yet powerful AI. Are you familiar with this thought experiment? Tell me. Which uh, one? So it's by Bostrom, the same guy who created simulation theory. I think it comes from the book Super Intelligence. And basically, the idea, the thought experiment is of a paperclip maximizer. And a paperclip maximizer is a narrow AI. It has one function. That function is to create paperclips. But it's also powerful. So it's not a general AI. It can't think and feel. It doesn't have motives. It just creates paperclips. But it has too much power. So it ends up turning the entire universe into paperclips. <laughs> and in some sense, I think that Bitcoin is a narrow yet powerful AI that basically turns the entire world into Bitcoin. I mean, look at me. What the fuck am I doing here? I, so, so a random Japanese guy releases free code on the internet, and now I'm here in Nashville with you, a random British guy? Yeah. Like, what? Sometimes Who I owns just, a football team? Yeah, exactly. Like, what's, what's happening? I'm just like being sucked into this vortex. I basically like become 100% Bitcoin <laughs> at this well, point. You know? we, uh, we were with Harry Suddock the other day. And, um, I love Harry, by yeah, the way. Harry's, yeah, the best. Harry is the best. We were with him in New York. and We, we made a show, and afterwards we went to dinner. And uh, it was me, um, Harry, and uh, Jeremy, and we were talking about, uh, he said Bitcoin's a black hole. Yes, it And is. I was like, huh, yeah. But I actually think Bitcoin is the singularity. Yeah. And so like we were kind of like discussing this idea and we ended up dumping the show and like recording two days later and re-recording and discussing the idea of the singularity. Is that it, is it like it eats up all this stuff? Yeah. Right? Or, you know, and you you know, you can think of it on a personal micro level or on a macro level. Uh like you said, look, uh five years ago, my life was a fucking shit show. I didn't know what I was gonna do. I started a podcast and here I am now sat with you and I own a football team and I make films and I've interviewed a president. Like all these things that have come out of it. Yeah. That's my micro level. On a macro level, there are a bunch of people in Bedford who are learning about this new form of money because there's a football team. Yeah. There's like a village in El Zonte. There's a there's a lake in Guatemala. There's all these things like propping up and what's yeah. happening is they're like Bitcoin is like this black hole that's eating everything. And like Ultimately, it's, it's like this singularity. It's a paperclip maximizer. It's a the paper. entire world is becoming Bitcoin. Yeah, you are you are Bitcoin. I am Bitcoin now. Like we we have just become this thing. Like it feels like sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and the Bitcoin price has moved. Why am I waking up in the middle of the night knowing that the Bitcoin price has moved? It's because my fucking central nervous system is attached to this thing. <laughs> I stare at this thing all day long. So even when I'm asleep and literally unconscious, my brain is like. Ugh. Things are happening in Bitcoin. Must wake up. You know what I mean? Like, but but think how how much more aggressive it's been. So think, uh, 2010, Bitcoin's been around for about a year. You know, it's a tiny. Like, if it's a black hole, it's tiny, and like tiny, you have to get to that event horizon. It's difficult, yeah, because you had to be it's on not the, sucking you in yet. No, you had to be in a weird place on the internet. You had to be on Slashdot in 2011, mm -hmm. or you had to be on like some. You have to be trying to buy drugs on the Silk Road. No, but even yeah. pre that, and then what? Where we're at now is like everyone's heard of it. Yeah, you know, everyone's aware of it. It's not like like nobody had heard of it then. Mm -hmm. You know, a few people now. Everyone's heard of it. As it starts eating up more things, the energy sector, the finance section, things start blowing up. Like you can't avoid it anymore. All these people are on Twitter writing. Fucking essays about why they Bitcoin's terrible. In the end, it's going to eat them. Yeah, it's going to swallow them up. Yeah, and and so yeah, so we made this show where we're like Bitcoin is the singularity. I, by the way, I fully agree with that entirely. Yeah, like there is a post Bitcoin world that is entirely different than the Bitcoin world that we live in now. It's like um, I don't think we know fully what that is. Well, we 
just we like, hope for the best. Just like the early internet, we have a lot of very utopian ideas around what it is. And I expect us to all look like fucking morons in the you know intervening decades. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to not be super excited about what it brings. And for me, it's like one of the negatives that Bitcoin could bring is like straight up feudalism. I don't of like course. I don't like to think that thought. No, but, but like, you're entirely right. That's a negative. And I don't, yeah. But one of the positives is like if we, you know, fix malinvestment in the world, uh, essentially we could make the world like 2% better per year compounded. So how like let's say fiat makes the world 2% worse per year compounded. We're at the end of like 50 some odd years of of that. And we're looking around and we're like, man, things are shit. Yeah, everything's fucked. Whereas if we get Bitcoin, the ball rolls in the opposite direction. We make things 2% better. Probably takes us 50 years to get back to even where we what we lost. We like lost 100 years in some total, right? And then after that, we're back on the upswing again and things are going great. And then as humans always do, we'll find a way to fuck it up. Not us, but our grandchildren will fuck it up, yeah. you know? Because that's what we do when things are too good. Like think about being in heaven. Good times. Think about being in heaven. Do you actually want to be in heaven? You wake up and every day is fucking perfect. After a while, you would be like, this sucks. This is a prison. I want to go to fucking hell. That's what it is to be human, you know? And so even if Bitcoin is utopian, and I think it is. Fuck these grapes. Humans are not utopians, and humans will do terrible, shitty things with this tool. Like, we do terrible, shitty things with every tool. Yeah, but like, maybe there's limitations now to the shitty things we can do with this tool. Yeah, sure. Because the incentive structure is... It's not. It's not so much how it's designed, how it's just evolved to be. The incentive structure is that you can't get out of it. It's like the miners; they can't. They have to follow the rules. Yeah. They can't. They can't be negative. They can't mm-hmm. fuck with the system because it's a waste of money for them. They like have to. You know, they want their block reward. You know, we can't fuck with this. No, that's true. That's and so, true. therefore, it's like maybe, maybe. But here's the problem: is like we know that, and eventually, that's going to be culture. That's going to you know when Bitcoin eats the world. The idea that we can't fuck with the rules is going to be the default. That's the dogmatism of you know a hundred years from now. Someone's right? going to try and fuck with the rules. Somebody's going to come along and be like, you know what? We need to fuck. With I the think rules. we should fuck with the rules. You know, and once they get enough steam for that idea, they will. Like ultimately, we probably- I don't know if it takes three hundred years, thousand years, whatever. But like, people are going to fuck up this. You, like, in the long run. Bitcoin will have been a story. Talk about the personalities mm. in Bitcoin and all the influencers and the technical guys and everybody. Like in the long run, Bitcoin will have been a story about when a bunch of imperfect humans met a perfect machine and what happened. Right? That's the story of Bitcoin. <sighs> That's a great place to end it, man. Yeah. Profound ending from Mr. Hoddle. I have true. nowhere to send people to because you're not anywhere. Listen, all I want to say is I see trees at orange. Orange roses too. I see them orange for me and you. You should sing that like Jen Seth. And I think to myself, what, what a wonderful, wonderful world. That's terrible. Man, we're so out of time. I suck. I the suck. headphones let me hear it. It's like, oh man, you suck at singing. I, I went a bit quieter than you just in case. You know, like when you're driving your car and you're like, you've got the music on loud and you're singing along, you're like, fuck, I can sing. And yeah. then you turn it down a little bit. It's like, no, I'm terrible. Totally. I'm a terrible singer. Totally. Brother, good to see you. Dude, it's good to see you. You should stay uh, tonight. 2027, you're fucked. Million dollars a coin. Biatch. We will see. We will see, man. But I think you should stay tonight. I'll I'll uh, talk to the wife and see if that's... We have a four-month-old, so it's like I'm kind of needed back. Yeah, well... <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? We'll see, man. All right, cool. All right, good to see you, man. 
Okay, thanks for listening to What Bitcoin Did. If you want to get in touch, then please head over to the What Bitcoin Did Telegram channel. And if you want to support the show, all we ask is you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review.